It's the True Penny Show with your host James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny, and this is my show. And today we are looking at a special subject on one of the biggest draws in European professional wrestling history. It's one we've never looked at before on the True Penny Show, and it's kind of a gateway into a period of wrestling when some of the biggest stars in the world would go to a beer heller in Bremen and tear the house down. And to join me to discuss this man who had a massive influence on professional wrestling around the world, Mr. John Dinsdale. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty well. He promised me violence and we got violence. <laughs> Usually when I caught with these things, it's like some, like, ex- some technical mat excellence from the 1980s or 1970s that I've discovered and gone, hey, watch this. And John's like, yeah, all right then. But with this guy, I knew you'd like him straight away. <laughs> and the guy would tell... I've actually seen some of the matches before, which is sometimes a rarity with like the historical <laughs> shows. It is indeed. But, indeed. So then, Austria. Not known as a wrestling powerhouse, one may say, but it was the birthplace of Mr. Otto Vance legendary wrestler and promoter of the CWA and a guy who literally could fill a house just by sticking his smiling baby-like face on the poster to the tune of 10,000 a month. (laughs) And uh, we have a playlist. Now, I've done a playlist for this show, but for reasons best known to itself, it's not actually like um, clicking this playlist. So I will have a playlist that works for you, hopefully by tomorrow. Uh, If not, we'll figure something out. Well, we're going to look at our advance from the earliest match I could find, and we're going to talk a little bit about his career. Uh, whilst we sort that out, because I'm going to put a match on in the background for us to watch, we're going to discuss first. What had you heard of Otto Vance before I went, hey, let's do Otto Vance? You kind of just straight up asked me if I heard of this wrestler before, and I'm like, oh, the name rings a bell. And obviously seeing thumbnails, I'm like, he looks familiar. And then obviously once I got into the video, I'm like, oh... This is the guy I watched fuck up Vader. So, yeah. I, I'm familiar with Vance, which, again, is quite different to most of the subjects. You're like, hey, let's watch something from, like, the 60s. I'm like, okay, I've heard of maybe one name. He's like, let's do Otto Vance. I'm like, oh, I'm about to watch people get the shit beaten out of each other. And not just any people either. Some of the biggest names in wrestling history. Because he didn't yeah, look... You- didn't muck about when it came to booking big names, did he? Oh, it's quite incredible to think that like this is in Austria and Germany and they're just you're like, holy shit. Like that's Andre the Giant, that's Vader, that's all of these big names just packed in to fight Otto Vance. Yeah. Competitively. I mean, yeah, this is this isn't like, you know in some well, to be honest with you, Otto didn't give some of them a drink of water, to be honest. Um, and we'll discuss this as we go forward. But the first match we're going to talk about is Don Leo Jonathan, one of Jim Ross's favourite wrestlers, and arguably he was, how can I put this, he was one of the most superbly gifted athletes in a big man's frame wrestling you'd ever see. You know, he's he's six foot eight, I think, 300 pounds, and can wrestle like Rey Mysterio Jr. <laughs> which is you know he can do flying head scissors he can do technical work he's a guy who's incredibly athletic 
and made a fortune. And this was the kind of guy Otto had matches with in the 1970s and 80s. We should explain a little bit about the history of Otto. Otto was a professional boxer. Um, he was also a weightlifter and um, began his work in the 1970s, beginning in Austria and in the IWE in Japan, and then eventually got picked up by New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is important to the development of his wrestling promotion, Catch Wrestling Association, which began in 1973, which was kind of dominant in wrestling promotion in Germany from oh, 1973 up until the late 90s. Um, and also supported strongmans. I can remember watching Catch Wrestling Association strongman contests on Eurosport in the late 90s. And many German wrestlers being officials looking massively out of place in raincoats and a stopwatch. <laughs> um, but it, it's an interesting kind of like mix of European style wrestling, if you watch a whole CWA show, uh, mixed in with American show business and kind of Japanese style ring content. So the rules are European, the presentation is very American, and the actual content is Ah, there's nail strong style wrestling. And if there was anyone that embodied that more than anybody else, it was Otto Vance, who was essentially the promoter, booker, and top star for the company. Um, uh, and what we're going to watch first is Domino Jonathan, and it's for the Catch Wrestling Association Championship, which Otto Vance had lost it to Jonathan in South Africa in 1977. Um, and then he took grass to, he took, um, Jonathan to Graz, Austria to try and reclaim the title. This is the match three years later. Um, and it's a bit stiff, isn't it? <laughs> We're going to be saying that a lot, though. Like, Otto doesn't do soft, and most of his opponents don't do soft. It's just all very hard bastard wrestling. Well, this is it. We're watching it currently, and we have it on the background. We're in, ooh, round two. And Don Gio Jonathan is throwing heart punches, which Otto is no selling. You know, a move that Stan Stasiak used to have as a finisher a couple of years before that won him the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship in Madison Square Garden. Otto is like, nah, not even any of that. <laughs> and it goes on like that for like 15 minutes. There's bits of wrestling, there's a wrist lock, and then we're back to hitting each other really hard. I just love that there's like loads of gratuitous slow-mo in some of the matches we watch just to make sure that you are definitely catching just how hard they're hitting each other. Like you just watch the full-on ripple effect of impact and you're just like, well, fuck, that one's hurting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rick Rogers, who um, is a, a, what can we call this, a um, polarizing figure in wrestling commentary, shall we say, at times, but he wrestled for Otto, and I remember him tweeting about wrestling for Otto many times. And he said Otto's philosophy was hit as absolutely hard as possible and make them think it's real. And he lived up to that for 27 years. <laughs> as a main event talent for 27 years. I think the surprising thing with Otto is, like, he's not a slow guy either. Like, he is huge. He is built like a brick shithouse, yet he's no slow guy either. No, he's obviously he, not 
sort of lucha extraordinaire, but he's he's still got some pep to him. And he again, he sort of stands there, takes a lot of abuse, and then just decks you, and then he, runs at you to deck you again, and just keeps decking you. It's quite terrifying. It is. He's six foot two, so he's an inch shorter than me, which I find it hard to believe. That was his build height, so he possibly could have been shorter than that. And was three hundred seventy-five pounds, which is literally twice my weight. Okay, I'm not a small gentleman. Okay, <laughs> I'm like I'm like. 90 kilos and he was 170 kilos so he's literally like twice the size of me or just short of twice the size of me despite for the fact he was the same height as me now arguably not all of this was muscle however to shift that lot around at the pace otto goes at and the cardio he has as well because none of these matches are short this one the first one we're watching is edited highlights and comes in at 11 minutes in a wrestling match that does not have much submission in it. There's a, there's a fair stretch we're watching at the minute. It's got a double wrist lock, and now he's turning it into a butterfly lock. Um, you know, there's little bits of rest to create some tension. This is all about hitting really hard. And, yeah, this is this is quite incredible to watch, isn't it, really? Yeah, as I said, when you promised violence at first, I thought, oh, he's got some deathmatch stuff for me, and then I'm like, oh, it's Otto of Ants. Yep, this is violent. <laughs> <laughs> and this is as well, this is 1980. So in European rings, in France, they're still going with the aerial style. That's the kind of thing they go with. And in, in Britain, they're going with the, you know, everyone has to go to work on Monday morning kind of mat approach. But in Germany, they've already picked up this kind of strong style approach from their talent swaps with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, done with, well, obviously, we both watched on Neo Jonathan wrestle for New Japan back in the early 70s. Even the ring has a kind of like New Japan three-rope feel to it. And, you know, th- there was a lot of talent swaps going on. A lot of people did excursions. Most famously, ma- famously Masahiro Chono, who even got married to a German lady. Um, and, you know, he kind of built his career in catch wrestling. And did Hiroshi Tenzan, Hiro- Hiroyoshi Tenzan, I should say, as well. He had a long stretch in CWA Germany too. Um, so yeah, should we move on to the next one? Because this is 1980 and it's, we've established auto, good technique, bangers, and lots of them. <laughs> so we move on. So yeah, so the next one we're going to look at is not in Austria, funnily enough. It dun, dun. is in the AWA. Oops, don't want sound on us, we'll not be able to hear each other. It's in the AWA. I'm going to hit share screen. Here we go. Where he wrestles Nick Bockwinkle for the AWA Heavyweight Championship of the World. And rather remarkably, is successful. <laughs> I'll explain why momentarily. But Nick Bockwinkle's just awesome, isn't he? You forget how good he was as well. I, it's, this, we had a... A little debate on which was the most technical match out of the ones we watched, and it was a toss-up between this one and Andre the Giant. <laughs> which we, which This one has a lot of mat work compared to what you'd normally see in Vance as I am matches. I'm assuming he let Nick take the lead on the creative direction of this match on the grounds he's wrestling in front of Nick's audience and not his own. Um, you know, Anato is a big baby face here, and this, is, this isn't his style of match at all, as you can tell. Um... Because he can't like just let things fly. The AWA obviously had a talent swap agreement with both Catch Wrestling Association and New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
So it's kind of in those lines, but this feels an awful lot more like an AWA wrestling match rather than, um, you know, uh, a CWA brawl. Uh, but, it, the, but Nick Brockwinkle, who's an absolute bump machine, um, does his level best to make Otto look like a superstar in this particular match. And it's interesting to watch from that point of view because there's a lot of politics at play here. Um, and it's quite remarkable when it comes to the future of the AWA. So do you know what happened here? No, but I think you're going to tell me. Well, reportedly, from what I understand, Otto Vance may have paid Vern Gagne an awful lot of money to become AWA World Heavyweight Champion and must give a bit more lineage to the Catch Wrestling Association World Heavyweight Championship. Ah, so that's, yeah. And Vern, at the time, had one certain Hulk Hogan on his books. Who, who he didn't believe had any future in the wrestling industry and certainly wasn't good enough to beat Nick Bockwinkle for the World Heavyweight Championship, and was, but was quite happy to let Otto take the title. <laughs> um, which I don't think is a knock on Otto, because it's smart business, and that's the way wrestling works. And this was a good match, and to be fair to him, everyone said, oh, Otto was never over, but I'm watching this match, and Otto is over with this crowd. He really is. Um, and he's showing off a lot more technical wrestling in this match than he has done in the Don Leo Jonathan match, obviously, because no knock on Don Leo Jonathan, he was a superb technician, but Nick Bockwinkle's in another class. Um, Otto's managed to go in, Otto's going hold for hold with him. He's doing an awful lot of like actual technical mat wrestling with him. Um, so Otto had depth, but it wasn't his kind of match. Um, but yeah, this was the period of time when Hulk Hogan was becoming a massive international star and Vern Gagne just didn't want him to be the AWA World Heavyweight Champion because he didn't think he was good for the territory. That worked out well for Hulk Hogan in the long run. <laughs> but yes, um, any other thoughts on this match, John? Again, I'm just, it's quite funny watching like... Vance, like, show off his technical side when I'm just used to watching him break people's jaws. Or try to break people's jaws. <laughs> <laughs> it is just a relatively kind of, like, easy-going half hour for him, to be honest with you. I am right, though. I'm not thinking things. He is over, isn't he? Oh, very much so. The crowd is eating this shit up. So if, like, because the major complaint was nobody knew what so Vance was. And arguably, all right, fair enough. But also, around this time, Jumbo Saruta held this championship, and equally, no one knew who he was either. So, you know, I think, relatively speaking, in Minnesota, the whole idea is, like, you're supposed to get people over, and if Otto come to get over, and he generally did do a good job of getting himself over, I don't see what the problem was with him being AWA World Great Championship was. He was only going to hold it for a couple of months anyway, just to get some lineage together for, uh, for this belt. So... But it was good. I liked this match a lot. And I like the way that it just shows that Otto wasn't just a, a power guy. He had a good like technical match sense as well. I never understood the whole idea of, I don't know who this person is. They're not allowed to hold a title. It's like, surely the best thing is surprise. Here's this guy that's come out of nowhere, wrecked your champion, taken your belt. Now you've got to see who the hell he is and what he's capable of. I think it works both ways. I think it's like in a TV show, yes, but if you're selling a pay-per-view, no. 
because you've got to have like known entities on pay-per-views. Selling surprise on pay-per-views, I don't think works as well. Um, like, I mean, obviously this is the pre-pay-per-view era anyway. This was all on LiveGate, but the place is full, so I don't know what they're complaining about. <laughs> so, but you know what I mean? It is. I think a lot of it is just like you're right in that sense of you're pitching him as a, a European champion, a, a massive heavyweight with an incredible track record, and you, that sells itself. And because it like strikes me as hilarious when people say, "Well, no one will know who Okada was," and it's like in a when he turned up in AEW, and I'm like, "No, no one will know who he is," and it's like it's an entire company built around former New Japan guys who no, didn't have no mainstream North American um, exposure outside of Ring of Honor, and there's they get any million viewers a week to watch their TV show, so I, I think they'll know who Okada is. But <laughs> in the end, as well, it doesn't matter that much, you know. They're a wrestling promotion; they're there to promote. That's the whole idea. But there we go. Anywho, shall we move on? Pick up the Funker next. Ah, oh no, we're going to leave him till last because that was his last ever match. Is it? Yes, that Holy was his retirement shit. match. So we're going to go to uh, a different show. We're going to. There is a tape called The Best of Otto Vance, which is actually The Best of Otto Vance. So we're going to watch that. And it opens with perhaps the biggest match in Otto Vance's career. He's going to wrestle Andre the Giant in 1987 when Andre was at the absolute peak of his fame, having just headlined the Pontiac Silverdome. And he's wrestling Otto Vance in Bremen in front of 15,000 people in a beer keller. Which is just like, how did this happen? Is the first question that springs to mind. (laughs) Because Andre didn't get out of bed for, you know, a small fee. He he like had they he had to be well paid. It was also the point, how did WWE let go of him for this period of time? Because I know like in less than a year he'd be tag team champions with Haku as the colossal connection, wouldn't he? Um I think so. Yeah. So like eighty eight, so less than a year before that, because they lost they lost the tag team titles to demolition at Wrestle WrestleMania six. So this was WrestleMania just after WrestleMania three. Um, what date was this? Um, I'm not really sure what the date was, but it was '87. It was late '87. So I mean, Vince did let Andre go <coughs> uh, quite a few times in this time period to go do things he wanted to do because he was Andre. <laughs> Like Andre liked Andre liked tagging with Baba because he was mates with Baba, so he'd let him go off and wrestle for all Japan. And this must be one of those. I want to go wrestle for Otto. Can I go? They're paying me a massive amount of money. Would you mind? And Vince would have to say yes because he's not going to jump. But there you go. Yeah, so um, it's no cynical mashup either. You can tell Andre is having fun. Oh yeah, Andre when he got to wrestle loved him, loved it. He really did. Because he was a technical wrestler as a youngster. You know, he could throw drop kicks and do flying head scissors and stuff. And when he went to North America, his biggest problem was overexposure. And when Vince Sr. got hold of him, he basically told him, stop doing all the cool stuff. Do all the monster stuff. Like, show how big you are, and that's what will be the draw. 
And that turned into a massively successful career for him. What he really enjoyed was going off and wrestling Antonio and Oki and Chaitabra and having wrestling matches. And you can tell as well, there's a match with Inoki. I think we've covered it when we did the Inoki tribute. Um, Andre's having a blast. Like, he gets to be a heel there and he gets to wrestle the way he wants to. And, you know, he loved it. And you can tell he loves it. And he, you can tell he's having an absolute blast, isn't he? He's wrestling as a heel. He's having a technical wrestling match, a good pull around with a guy who can go. And what more do you want in your latter days of your career to have a nice, pleasant evening's professional wrestling match in front of a massive audience? Beating the hell out of someone who's trying to beat the hell out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Beating the hell out of someone who doesn't sell anything. There's a a lot of technique in this one, because obviously Andre's more dictating the pace than Vance's. Yeah, this is one of the few times where Otto's like outsized by a lot. Um, You know, most of these matches he's much bigger than the people he's wrestling. And he has a dominating style. He's like, you know, he's over the top dominating. Um, And watching him against Andre, Andre's obviously been dictating the pace for a good 30 years at this point <laughs> and knows exactly how to make a wrestling match work. He's one of the best wrestling minds in the business. Um, and this match is an absolute thriller, even though they're wrestling at a terrifically slow pace because they know how to get the best out of each other. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And it's working. It's a very enjoyable thing to watch. I think I think that's the thing is like the best Andre stuff is not the stuff in WWE. I mean, I mean WrestleMania three is a great example of like uh, Andre getting bumping for Hogan and doing the absolute utmost for Hogan. But this is a great example of how a kid lead as a heel have a great wrestling match as well. It's also a European system, so it's rounds. So. By three minute, 15 three minute rounds, I think, for a title match like this. Um, so you you have a lot of protection in that sense of the story because you can write 15 stories, can't you? Or is it? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that's that's and for someone like Andre who doesn't work at a great speed, it enables him to tell much more of a story. It kind of like really, and again, he grew up in the European system, so he, wrote, he ran the round system as a young wrestler so he kind of right it's just it's just joyous to watch andre be this good um and otto is no slouch either because on the cell he's really good too you know he's not a particularly selfish wrestler when he's going up against someone who's bigger than him not necessarily true when he's going against somebody smaller than him um but this is great to watch this is so much fun anything else you'd like to say about this one oh it's just still kind of like fun that a match like this happened and clearly people enjoyed it, especially the guys fighting at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, it's like we or... love to talk about sort of horrible things in wrestling, but here's just like a bit of a time period where people were just enjoying wrestling. Yeah, and all over the world as well. You know, wrestling was hot. You know, WWE was the hottest promotion on earth. New Japan were just starting to have those mega shows in stadiums at Fioka Dome and stuff like that, Fukuoka Dome even. Um, and Otto was selling out 15,000. 15,000 every time. That's just insane. You know. Shall we move forward? 
Because okay. this goes on for quite some time. We've got a lot to talk about. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, no, no, it's not. You're <laughs> keen to get to that Vader match. But next we have um, the Royal Kikina, wasn't it? That was who he was billed as. I remember the no graphic. Yeah, oh, here we go. The great Kikina, who better known to you and me as Nakazuna. Um, great Kikina, the Prince of Hawaii. There you go. Uh, this was Yokozuna before he was Yokozuna. And, you know, he was a superb athlete at this particular point before he got really heavy. And obviously that became detrimental to his long-term health and sadly um, contributed to, to his early death. But he's an ideal opponent for, for Vance in the sense that he's big, he's a big brawler, he's got an incredible athleticism towards him so he can do all the things he needs to do to make Vance look great. And he can sell and he's got all of this athleticism um, and Vance at this point is is quite large, but he's still got it. He's still got like that sense of presence in the ring, and he's still like you know moving forward. I think this is 1990, so um, Kikina hasn't gone to WWE yet, but he's not long away from it, is he? He's about two or three years away from it. He's already got all that main event presence here, and this is where he kind of like shows off what he can do in that main event style. And there's a lot of Yokozuna in this particular match. I'm looking at that nerve hole that we're just watching at the moment, and that was the proper Yokozuna move, wasn't it? It's quite intriguing to see, like, pre-Yokozuna, Yokozuna. Mm. Especially when he's battling someone that's just as big as him and just as violent as him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that... that Vance doesn't sell much, but he's selling the shit out of this nerve hold. Oh, yeah. He is. I mean, he's really good as well at it. It's just that I just associate him in there with big guys and not selling. Because that's where I kind of like the big feud he had with Rambo over the CWA titles where I first saw him. We haven't got the match with Rambo. I think we have one match with Rambo on here somewhere. I couldn't find any, which is unusual because they swapped the CWA title back three or four times. And that was the first time I saw him. And there was not much selling going on in those matches. And the matches with Vader, there was very little selling going on in those matches either. Um, but in this one, obviously, he's up against a guy who's much bigger than he is. Um, and it's a much more kind of uh, 50-50 match, this one. Um, so it's a bit more entertaining, I think, as well. And also we've got the round system, too, in this particular one as well, which kind of uh, kind of interrupts the flow, I think, a little bit in this one compared to the others. What do you think? Sorry, there was a bit of an audio fuck up there. I said, I think this compared, I think this the, the this one gets kind of interrupted by the round system rather than allowing for the flow of the match, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you can tell that they like every time they're just about to start beating the absolute hell out of each other, a round gut, like cuts in, and you sort of like, oh, I just wanted to watch them beat up, like beat each other up. I think so possibly, sort of, yeah. It's a lack of experience on Kikina's part, I would guess, as far as the round system's concerned. It's just a match full of speed bumps. He's sort of like, okay, I'm getting into it. This is the fucking ring pads. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't just even try to do that. They did that much mass sort of against the turnbuckle, the turnbuckle pads. He's like, I can't take it, Captain. And fallen. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointingly drops to the ground. But yeah, there'll be some now we're getting into some stiff ends and stuff here. It's all oh, heck. 
And also, the, laying in on forearms has got to work. It, there you go. Yeah, again, we're just getting lost watching these two kick the shit out of each other. It is exemplary beatdowns. It's a video of getting beat, people getting beaten up. Like, that, and essentially, that's all that happens in this match, by the way. There's a couple of submission holds um, from both of them, and then they just stand up and start hammering on one another. I'm flicking then, through it now. Then you uh, get another fucking interruption, and then they do the same thing again. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Um, I'm just trying to get to the end because I can't remember how the pinfall, pin, what the pinfall came from in the end. Uh, one pinfall in these matches, mostly. Uh, knockouts and disqualifications, obviously, under European rules, meant that the title would change hands. Um, and, yeah, Otto, I think Otto gets a count-out victory here, doesn't he? Oh, no, he gets a pinfall victory. Here we go. I'll scoot back a little bit. Where are we? Big on clotheslines, which was unusual for European wrestling at the time, but also kind of had the clothesline down, I think. Seriously, I was not kidding. No one clotheslined anyone in, in European wrestling until the 1990s and the mid-1990s of that, but Otto was an early adopter. <laughs> Just loving the overhead shot that's doing nothing to soften any of these blows. Absolutely. Look at that. That lariat there. Oof. And a, and a, a good measure. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's very a big body slam. It's very um, King's Road, isn't it? Multiples of yeah, multiples of moves in to get finished. And there we go. Also takes the win to the delight of Steve Wright and Millie Zerno, who are in his corner, um, the tag team champions of the time. Next up, oh dear lordy. <laughs> <laughs> This is the first match I ever saw Otto Vance in. Um, and this match is Big Van Vader, who was the then CWA World Heavyweight Champion, defending the title against Otto Vance in Bremen. I might have been in Graz, Austria, actually. Um, Otto is accompanied by Steve Wright, that's Alex Wright's dad, and Tony Sinclair, who was a New Japan regular at the time. Um, and this is over. Ten five-minute rounds, I believe, was a bit of an extra a st special stipulation. And I saw this on Eurosport, and it was the opening show Eurosport did of the Catch Wrestling Association stuff. So they do a bunch of stuff from the Catch, and Oreg Williams, who's there accompanying Big Van Vader, was actually on commentary. Um, and they showed this as the last match. And me and my dad and my mum watched it, and we had not seen anything this violent in our lives. <laughs> We'd seen violent wrestling matches, because we'd be talking like Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan against the Nasty Boys was around about this time as well. You know, this, there was a lot of heavy feuds going on in WCW. We'd seen, you know, Marty Jones and Rollerball Rocco. There was quite a few blood feuds in UK wrestling that were quite violent. But this was people doing serious damage to one another for an extended period of time. I feel like this is probably one of the exact reasons why Vader got the reputation that he did, because he'd spent so much, like, uh, multiple matches fighting Otto Vance. What's <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie Piper said about Vader? Everything he does hurts. I know Mick Foley said, like, you know, some guys do stuff 
that looks terrible and hurts like hell. And some guys do stuff that looks amazing and doesn't hurt at all. And Leon did left no room forever, made sure it looked amazing and it hurt like hell. Um, this was the match I'd seen when you sort of mentioned we were doing Otto Vance. This is the match I remember. I think this is the I think, I think this is the classic Otto Vance match because it is it's his best match that, that I've ever seen him in easily. But it is partly because you're just absolutely transfixed by how these two keep hitting each other that hard. Like we, we see some stiff matches in New Japan today. We see some stiff matches all over, like in in like Glates and MMA style stuff. That that's stiff. It's stiff as this. They're not genuinely going out of the way to clobber each other really hard. Um, and also, like it's sponsored by Toshiba. <laughs> Just like it's you not know, a short match either. No. Like this is the thing. It's a very sustained, excruciating beatdown. <laughs> Where two guys are just literally trying to end each other. And everyone is eating it up. Like, the match hasn't even started yet, because they're still doing all the sort of opening ceremonies. But I just remember most of the stuff I watched the other day. Yeah, I, and they do it properly. They, they play the German national anthem, they, because they're in Bremen. They play the Austrian national anthem, because also Vance. And they play the American national anthem, because of, of Van Vader. Bull power, I should say. He wasn't. He wasn't Vader in CWA. Um, you know, but this was the point when Vader was the best wrestler in the world, the best male wrestler in the world. Obviously, um, he was UWA champion, IWGP heavyweight champion, and CWA champion at the same time. You know, um, I remember the comment. I remember uh, Ric Flair was. Um, Ric Flair was um, the Ric Flair Vader promo. They were, they were talking to each other, and Flair goes, I'm an eight time world's heavyweight champion. Um, it's like, he won it, yeah, he won it, the WWE title twice. Yeah, he won eight, and, in, and then Vader just looks and goes, I'm a nine time world champion in three different companies on three different continents. And he was like, oh. <laughs> or 11, no, he was 11 time at that point because he'd won the WCW title twice. You know, he was, Vader was the man. You know, he, there wasn't much of anyone better than him. And Otto was just just as good, really. In this style of match, there was nobody better at this big man style of wrestling than these two, I don't think. Certainly not in that era. I mean, I suppose you could say Hogan was kind of this style of match as well, just not stiff. But these two were better technical wrestlers. I could do more stuff. And told a better story as well, I think, too. It's just like watching a car crash happen repeatedly with like just it's like a kid smashing their two toys together, except the two toys are bigger than most people and will just keep clobbering each other regardless of whether they're being driven into each other or not. Yeah, this is the thing. It's like there was loads of psychology in that Kahina match and in the Andre the Giant match. There's lots of skill and levels and stuff. And this is just hitting each other really hard. And you can tell how serious they are with each other as well. It just opens with... Leon throwing forearms, and no one's going to sell. This is going to go for half an hour, and they're just going to batter one another. Oh my god! She <laughs> just crumples, and it's like, of course you're going to. <laughs> it's because oh. Leon's just hitting him ridiculously hard. For you know, power just gored him. 
Yeah. It's oh, just, here comes Ed Butt. Yeah. And it's like we're one less than a minute in, and we're already like heading towards a concussion. <laughs> and Leo, and then, and then Auto clears his head, and then has a crack, and then we're off and running, and it just goes on and on and on, and it doesn't end, and it's just violence, like unrepentant violence, like the baby face just backing the heel into the corner and wailing away on him with fists and forearms and thumbs in the eye, knees to the face, and it's just relentless. Absolutely relentless. Bloody effective. We've got one broken nose. We're two minutes in, we've got a broken nose already. (laughs) It's like, how did they keep going like this? Just how? You've got to remember that Vader is also the guy that just pushed his eye back into during a match. So it's like, of course these two would just get broken noses or bruised ribs or something and just keep going because like they don't know how to stop but there's that, is oh. that new, yeah that, that double forearm smash off of the ropes that used to like destroy Ric Flair <laughs> <laughs> and also just stands there and goes come on then have another go <laughs> it's just like this is like you've got to see this match you have to see this match because you know people complain about um all the good old days when, you know, people didn't care. This is the reason, sadly, both these guys are no longer with us. But equally, these, these matches were reassuring. You know, it's, it's because they just have to be, because look at what they were doing to one another. I don't know, because Veda continued to, like, Veda was wrestling into his 50s, wasn't he? Maybe he not was. full time, but he was. He was still going, and he was still not slowing down. <laughs> True, I suppose so. Um, he probably should have, but he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thought this is just like, oh, it's just brutal. Absolutely the, brutal. The funny thing is, like, there is proper pacing. There is still psychology. There is a story here. It's just not buried under all these moves. It is just these two guys have a very similar style, a very similar reputation, and they just don't like each other. Yeah. It's a rematch later on this card. And they shake hands. <laughs> it's like, all right, thanks a lot, see you later. <laughs> it's just like as if nothing had happened. As if they hadn't tried to murder each other six months before. <laughs> and it's just like, this, this match is bloody murder. Absolutely is. Top to bottom. You just don't see this nowadays with good reason as well. Rabbit punching at the back of the head. <laughs> you know, I don't many knockdowns Otto has in this match, but he just keeps cranking on and cranking on. Jesus Christ. Just knees to the face. I just... It, we need to move on because otherwise we're just going to sit and watch his arms. Wait, yeah. yeah, so let's so move skipping on. The, we're skipping the handheld one. The... Yeah. Uh, we're skipping, yeah, because Dave Finley, uh, father of David Finley, currently leader of Bullet Club, um, in a handheld video, which isn't great to watch. So, as much as like you know, also advanced Dave Finley, I would love to see that match. It's really not worth commentary; you can't see a ton of stuff. So we'll go to the next match, which is the rematch between uh, also Vance and Big Van Vader um, for the CWA title. Um, and yeah, well, again, full power. But he's wearing his Vader mask this time, so I think it's allowed to say he's from Vader. Um, and interestingly, the national anthems are played in trumpet this time. Again, <laughs> more 
horrific violence. <laughs> Just even worse than the one before, like places. Um, it, it, it's a cool show to watch. I mean, it is really nicely presented as well. And but again, we're just looking at the opening round, and it's just hammering open on forearms and just insanity. And Oreg Williams like trying to get it, 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 it's like the psychology switch because Otto has the belt now, so therefore he's the favorite and he's dominating in a way that he didn't do when he got the belt back. And there's a different psychology and a different trip to this match, which is really cool to watch as well. But again, just bang, 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 all the way through. It's like, you don't really need to say much. It it, it speaks for itself. Like, it's just, imagine being hit as hard as humanly possible for like 20 minutes. In a fake fight. <laughs> I think it's, it's, yeah, Stan Anson used to call all Japan pro wrestling three quarter shoot, three quarter shoot. Um, oh, sorry, Ted DiBiase and Stan Anson used to call it three quarter shoot. We've got to make it look real. This is about seven eighths shoot, I think. <laughs> it's like they're not taking liberties, but you'd almost believe that they are. No, it's just way Otto wanted wrestling matches to be. Hit me as hard as you possibly can to make it look like we're having a real fight. And it looks like they're having a real fight. And that's what put 10,000 people into that beer keller every week. And you can't believe how hard they went. It's just insane. It really is. I'll skip a bit further forward. Watching Otto clotheslining Leon out of his boots. I think this is the last match on this particular show, isn't it? We'll get to the end. And the finish comes with a suplex. Yeah, there's another horrible handheld one, but yeah, it lasts about ten, like five minutes maybe. Yeah. And then Otto wins this match with, um, I think he's, I think he just gets, I can't remember who wins it. I'm watching just go to the end. Uh, oh, there we go. I think he was a knockout, don't he? Because they just hammer each other. Oh. Yeah, you just don't get to the count. <laughs> I swear he did him in the day. I swear he did Oh, I see. Oreg throws the towel in because he just can't. Yeah, Oreg throws the towel in at that point. Just to save Vader's career. And then they shake hands afterwards. I mean, just literally knocking seven shades of shit out of each other for the last half hour. They shake hands. <laughs> I mean, what else are you to do after that? It's like, fair play, yep. Yep. <laughs> you won by destroying my knee and knocking me unconscious. Nice Riviera uh, vest top there from Tony Sinclair. Riviera, I should say. The famous uh, steak restaurant that looks after wrestlers. Um, yeah, the... There's a handheld with Terry Funk tagging with Dave Finley, I think. But we're going to move on to an actual like match with Dave Finley, uh, which Terry is Funk. Terry Terry Funk, yes, which is in fact the um, retirement match of um, our Vance. And to be honest, Terry does him an absolute joy in this match because he sells for the all he sells in a way that only Terry Funk can sell, <laughs> basically. 
Um, and this is 1990. And at this point, Otto's had 27 years on, or 17 years on top of the industry. Um, and this is great. I'm not sure it was 99. I'm sure it must have been late in this because I'm sure he was wrestling in 93, 94 and stuff. But Yeah, but to be fair, this could just be a wrestling retirement where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm retiring. And then he comes back. Like He looks all, he does look older than this in the matches he had with Vader. Though arguably the matches he had with Vader would put four years on you anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you know, he, he at the end of this match, he does beat Terry Funk in his retirement match, and says, you know, to go out like that is is a, such a wonderful way. And and Terry's awesome in this match in a way only Terry Funk can be. Um, you know, his ability to sell because at this point Terry's at the prime of his career. Really, you know, he's in, like he was USWA heavyweight champion at this point. This is the just after his his WCW run where he just lost Ric Flair in the retirement match to Ric Flair. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's a really great wrestling match. It's a really nicely told story. It's a really good way of ending a career. You know, this is, you get the big star in, you sell out the, the biggest arena you can find, you get Nissan to sponsor it. <laughs> Because, you know, they treated it like a regular sport there and they got some end of sponsorship from major corporations like Toshiba and Nissan because everyone went to the wrestling because it's a mainstream sport. That referee's whistle can go away. <laughs> I've got it on mute. I'm not... Yeah, I, know, well, I, was, I was watching it. It was, it was annoying. I, well, I was rooting for Terry to lamp him, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Don't give a referee a whistle, ever. Again, though, it's much like the other matches we've talked about. It is just ridiculously fun to watch. Like, it's not the prettiest stuff you'll see, but my God, is it effective? The thing, the thing Again, is, so okay. and it's it's funk. It's pure funk style with a. <laughs> that reminded me of Fuyuki there so much. Yeah, 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 definitely. That was a proper Fuyuki running, like splash. I think as well, uh, it's something that never occurred to me before until I'm watching this just now. Big Daddy was doing the same stuff, but just not as hard. Because I was yeah, thinking, that's going to work. You know, there is, there is something to be said for a portly gentleman uh, with a dad-like body doing dad-like things in a wrestling match if they are technically proficient enough and hard enough to do it for long enough. <laughs> but yeah. This is this may be Terry's finest hour, to be honest with you, or one of his best matches, just because it's not a Terry Funk match, is it? It's not, you know, he's just having to go, he's having to go old school heel and wrestling in a round system, so it's not as smooth to keep your heat and maintain your heat. You have to think about it in a different way. Um, so yeah, it's just great to watch and watching him in a different environment, and you just don't believe that these guys came to Europe to wrestle maybe two or three times, do a one-week tour, and then go back off to the States again because there was nowhere else that would pay them as much amount of money. You weren't getting Terry Funk on the joint wrestling circuit because they just didn't pay enough. But they go to Bremen, and the Japanese guys would go to Bremen, and the, you know, they'd go all over Germany and Austria because Otto was prepared to give them the money. And that's the bit that always kind of like amazes me. I suppose in the UK you didn't need it because we had our own stars. 
there's a heat getter, if you will. Attack Otto from behind on the break during during the break. Yes, that's, that's brilliant. That's <laughs> a dirty funker. That is the dirt, that is a funk you movie move there, definitely. Um, but in the end, big big Otto was kind of like far too domineering for Terry. It's still really fun to just see how many big names Otto fought. And people want to go, who the fuck is Otto Vance? And it's like, Otto Vance is the man who basically ran Bremen and brought some of the biggest names to beer kellers so he could beat the shit out of them and get the shit beaten out of him. He's probably the world's most successful sadomasochist. Where are we? Matches. Let's see. Uh, oh, I'm just looking at names here Buffalo Peterson and the Barbarian he wrestled them uh, Fit Finley loads of time Colonel Burry, Cannonball Grizzly do, 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 do. Akira Nogami he was the Akira the current Akira Nogami Salvatore Belomo that will be um, uh, oh, no, a different one a different person I thought it was but yeah, you look at this list of names um, that he went up against, and it's insane. Bull Power, Dick Murdoch, John Quinn, Bobby Duncan, Giant uh, A Stacks from the UK, King Kong Bundy, um, Yoshiaki Fujiwara. Big John Quinn and Otto Vance versus Asumi Kudo and Yoshiaki Fujiwara in New Japan Pro Wrestling in 1984. <laughs> Antonio Inoki, the IW, he wrestled in the IWGP uh, League in 1984 in that tournament that was won by um, um, uh, Hulk Hogan. In fact, that league match is just there. He wrestled Masa Saito, Tatsumi Fujinami, Ken Patera, uh, Big John Quinn, Ricky Chosu, Dick Murdoch, Andre the Giant, um, Masked Superstar, and Antonio Inoki on that tour alone. You know, and obviously the cage match list isn't complete because um, it doesn't cover a lot of his career. But even then, you know, it's so impressive. Um, And he's got, there's a lot of pages here. Uh, John Wilkins, I'm just looking at, yeah, in IWE, he wrestled Mighty Inouye. We've we've covered so many times. Strong Kobayashi, tagged with the... where is he? Mighty tag with Mighty... Oh, no. Tag with professional... Yeah, but, you know, he had a career, a proper career. You know, this is against people that, you know, very few people got a chance to wrestle. I loved his debut was against Lee Chiron in 1970. Lee Chiron was a British heavyweight. <laughs> a British middleweight, I should say. Um, he wrestled in Australia his first one against Lee Chiron. Um, he sadly passed away in 2017. But yeah, no, it was it was 1996 that last match against Terry Funk. Um, but yeah, but it just goes to show like the things that he did in his head. Otto Vance and Owen Hart versus Kelvin versus uh, Colonel Brody and Salvatore Balaimo. You know, tagged with loads of great people as well as wrestling loads of great people as well. But there you go. So that's our kind of well-rounded look at. Um, Otto Vance's career. We strongly advise you go check him out. Have you anything else to say? What do you think of the overall impact of Otto is 
on pro wrestling history because obviously the CWA was also a big home. We, we should probably do a CWA review at some point so we can find a whole CWA show that we can look at and see what the actual product was like as an overall. But as a main event star, what's your takeaway on Otto Vance? Yeah, he was entirely the real deal. It's like you can tell how much effort he put into his craft. He was obviously taking care of people. He was, as I said, he was paying out a lot of money to get people into a territory that most people probably didn't even know existed outside of like the Catch Wrestling Association. And yeah, it's it's a very destructive yet very ridiculously fun sort of style to watch. Because it is literally just the most brutal striking you will see. Yeah, this is. I mean, we 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 joke about the the um the chops of certain people. Like um, uh, I'm trying to think of anyone off the top of my head who's got brutal chops. You know, Eddie Kingston's chops are ridiculous. Walter. Yeah. I Gunther. Gunther's Akiyama's those people, but these people are just hitting each other with bare fists. <laughs> They're not even like going for like the open hand. Born and born and brutality and yeah, just oh wow. Anywho, and we didn't think this last one show the show would last very long, but we talked for fifty-two minutes about Otto Vance beating people up, and that's surely an achievement in itself. <laughs> I wish I could have seen what would happen if Otto Vance had fought Eddie Kingston. Oh, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? That would be like, amazing. That would just... That would be one of those matches where someone just gets knocked out. Like it just, it they wouldn't want it to end any other way, bar knockout. <laughs> that would be amazing. WWE, yeah, that's one of those things that like um, WWE used to do, like posters for like historic matches that then would never happen, like John Moxley versus Atsushi Anita at Kirken Hall, and they did a poster for that. You know, some somebody in the WWE IT team has got a thing for geeky wrestling stuff. Um, and someone should do that. It'd be Eddie Kingston versus Otto Vance in, in Graz, Austria for the CWA World Heavyweight Championship. That'd be amazing to watch. But here we go. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Troopney Show today. My name is James Troopney. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter, at Sheriff Lone Star TX on Instagram. Wherever you find you, sir, on the internet. You can find me at Twitter handle John Deathman. That is a gateway to hell, literally, because it's Twitter. But it will lead you to writings, ramblings, opinions. You can find me at John underscore Deathman on Instagram, which is basically the same as the Twitter with more pictures. And you can find me on Patreon at the Deathmatch Digest, which is the current home for most of my writings, including free-to-read reviews and features, alongside, obviously, the actual paid-for digests, which are deep dives into deathmatches which this week actually looked at a British rest, like British deathmatch wrestling thing that I never knew existed from 2006, where Zack Sabre Jr. was part of the European King of the Deathmatches tournament. Gorefest <laughs> 2006. A joint oh. promotion show between WXW and XSW, where the, like, the finals were Iceman versus Ian Rotten. <laughs> oh, lordy. That sounds horrific, and yet the coolest thing ever. It's, it's great fun until you remember that Ian Rotten is like the world's biggest carny, but. It is. 2006 was a year where we were blissfully ignorant of that. True. You can find the show Troopney Show on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram Troopney Show. You can find us on Facebook the Troopney Show and on Patreon. We can keep the Troopney Show free forever for everyone. Thank you very much for joining us today. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Bye!